Greetings and welcome to TanakhStudy.com, the podcast program in which we study one chapter of Tanakh in each podcast. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're studying Sefer Yov, and we're now in Perak Chafbet, chapter 22, which is Eliphaz's response in the third and final go-around of the disputations. Uh, and in this response, we're going to hear Eliphaz really let it go at Eov, in a much stronger way than we've heard before as a direct attack to him. Uh, Eov will sound like um, quite a venal character uh, that uh, is uh, reminds us of certain other chapters in Tanakh. I'll mention them when we get there. Uh, and, and until now, in the discussion of the success and fate of the Rishayim, where Eov has stated that they are doing well and they're successful and they're at rest and they see their children and their grandchildren succeed and the disputants have consistently said no they're really suffering and they uh and they are in f- with, filled with fear and paranoia and great suffering that we don't see uh we've always played the question about whether they're talking to Eov about himself and saying the fear that you feel and the destruction that you're experiencing proves you're a Rasha, or rather that they're responding to Yov's complaint about Rishaim as he sees them. Uh, in this case, it will be very clear who the Rasha is, but that doesn't necessarily impact on the earlier pieces. And as always, there's opening lines to the presentations. Uh, literally, uh, will man benefit God? Yiskon, which is a word that we've heard earlier, ki yiskon alemo maskil, meaning that when man is brilliant and thoughtful, and is he gain, giving anything to God? Achefetz the shaday ki titzdak, and is there some gain to God for you to become out right or righteous or justified? Vim betza ki tatem drachecha, and is there some material gain? Betza, we know it from the Yehuda and Yosef story. Kitatem uh, drachacha, that your ways should become perfect or presented as perfect. Is he afraid of you, that he has to come and judge with you? So he's going to come to judgment. In other words, you're complaining that God is not willing to meet you and to judge with you. Uh, what, is he afraid of you? Why does he have to? Halo ra'atcha rabah. Indeed, you have great evil. These are words, of course, we've never heard anyone say to Eov, and they go directly against the descriptions of Eov that we have at the beginning of the Sefer. There is no end to your sins. Until now, uh, it was unclear who they were talking about, and it was never in specific terms. Now, hear what they say about Eov. And this reminds us of the passages in Yechezkel Yudchet, which talk about the new approach. Uh, no longer will we say, that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And now, instead, everyone pays for his own crime. And then the long series of examples given there by Yechezkel, if there is a man who is terribly wicked and does all these wicked things, including the things that we're going to hear about here, and he gives birth to a son who is a tzaddik and does none of these terrible things, the son will not suffer for the father's sins. If the son then gives birth to a rasha who behaves like his grandfather, then the son cannot gain from his father's righteousness, he will be judged harshly for his own bad behavior. And in that description, some of these same sins are mentioned. 
Ki tachbol al achecha chinam. You come and seize a pledge from a fellow for naught. Now, for naught probably doesn't mean that the fellow doesn't owe Eov any money and that he's just seizing something which just makes him a thief, but rather maybe it's somebody that you're not allowed to take a pledge from, uh, a widow, a poor person, etc. And you're taking it nonetheless. Uvigdei arumim tafshit. And in direct opposition to the directive in Yeshayahu Nunchet, when you see one who is unclothed, give them clothing. In other words, the opposite, you're taking clothes and making people naked. In other words, again, as a pledge when they owe you money. The word ayef, which in modern Hebrew means tired, and Tanakh also can mean thirsty or hungry, as we see, for instance, in Shoftim Chet. You do not give water to the thirsty, you even withhold bread or food from the hungry, which means you're doing the exact opposite how you're supposed to behave to your fellow man. And Eov, presented throughout as a wealthy man, a man of means, and with the ability to help, doesn't do so. And now Eov is depicted as some sort of a judge, and the powerful man gets the land, and the one that you favor gets to live there. In other words, sounds like there's a case, and you, Eov, are, as the judge, are awarding the land, not to the one who is justified, but rather to the one who you like, or you favor, or who's tougher, or perhaps who has bribed you. Almanot shilachta rekam, you've sent widows away with nothing in their hand. Uzro'ot yitomim yeduka, and the power, or the arms, literally, with the power of the orphans, you have weakened. So, this is the description of Yov, and again, a description we've never heard before. That's why you're surrounded by traps around you. And you're surprised by sudden fears. Now, are the sudden fears things that really happen to Eov? Or is it that Eov is suggesting that he is, always walks around afraid, and why is it that the Rishayim are not afraid, and the friends are turning to him and saying, or the disputants are turning to him and saying, you're afraid like this because you are a Rasha. And, O Choshech Lo you're not even aware when the darkness comes, Rishifat Maim Techaseka, and a flood of water covers you up. The darkness are being the darkness of the deeps, of the, of the depths, and that suddenly, you're not even ready for it to come, and it comes and it and floods you over. Sounds like terrible tragedy happening. And again, it's unclear whether that means it has happened or he's just afraid of it happening. Halo Eloah Gova Shamayim. God is way up in the heavens. Whatever that means, above the heavens. Ur e rosh kochavim kiramu. And he sees from the top of the st- of the stars which are high, or else. What Eliphaz is saying is, you look, see how high the top of the stars are, and he's above all of that. And now, what's your response? Our response to that is, so why should he come and judge with you? Your response is, and your response is deism, essentially. What does God know about here? He's way up there. Is he going to judge through the fog, through the cloud, through the firmament? Avim it's as if the clouds are some sort of a block, and he doesn't see. He's busy in the orbits of the heavens, and that's where he's going, or that's where the clouds are, and he's beyond, it's beyond him. 
So they now he now turns to Eov and says, Ha'orach olam tishmor. Important to note that the word olam in rabbinic Hebrew and modern Hebrew means a world, it's a physical space. The word olam in Tanakh always refers to time. So orach olam means the paths of the past. In other words, are you going to hold on to the paths of the past, which, by the way, sometimes is a very good thing. But here you'll see it's a bad thing. Asher darchum aven, that the more the mortal sinners walked in that path. In other words, there was a a a path that people walked in the past. They all suffered for walking in that way, and you're going to keep on doing that. Who are they? Asher kumtu v'lo eight. They suddenly got wrinkled up before their time. Nahar yutzaki sodam. They had a firm foundation, and then a river came and washed it away. So we have had people like this in the past, who were sure that they were fine, and they had not, didn't want anything to do with God, and they thought that they were standing firm, and then suddenly it was all washed away. And you're going to continue in that path? Ha'omrim la'el sur mimenu. What did these people say? They said to God, stay away from us. And what is God doing with us? We're going to see how the word Shaddai, the name Shaddai, is going to play in a different way a little bit later. And now Eliphaz's comment, which we've all been in, in, on consensus of, is God is the one who's filled their houses with all the goodness. And now Eliphaz takes a step back and saying, don't think that when I'm quoting them, I'm agreeing with them. I'm very far from Atzat Rishayim. However, just this is what they're saying. These people who have had their houses filled with all good by God are saying God has nothing to do with it and God doesn't know about it and God's far away and what would, why would I want to have anything to do with God? That's what they're saying. God forbid I would say that. And now, what is Eliphaz's comment? Yerut tzaddikim v'yismachu. The, the righteous see this. What do they see? They see the fall of the Rishayim and they rejoice. Why do they rejoice? Well, perhaps a more, uh, uh, negative pr- perspective would be they rejoice because other people are hurting and not them. But perhaps a more elevated way of looking at it is to say they rejoice because this is confirmation of the wickedness of these people and of the righteousness of the ones who are watching. Vinaki ilaglamo, the one who is clean, clean, meaning innocent, will laugh at them and scorn them when their houses fall and when everything falls around them. Imlon nichad kimanu, this is a difficult word. But here the image is that there's destruction all around, and if it weren't for the fact that some of our um, uh, some of our existence is still there, in other words, there's mass destruction, but some of us have a remnant, a survival. Then the Yitram Achla Esh, so we're distinguishing Imlo, which is could be per- perceived as something of an oath. But here, imlo means, like, if it were not the fact that, nichad kimanu, that our remnant is not gone, um, and it, so, so the way to read it would be, if it weren't the fact that our remnant was gone, nichad as in forgotten, not mentioned. But that's not the case. Our remnant continues, vitram achlaesh. But what they had left was destroyed by fire. So haskein na imo ushlam bahem tvoat and now he turns to Eov, and from here the rest is a, a request begging Eov to do tshuva. Haskein na, and this haskein is a play on words with the beginning of the parak, where he said 
Halael yiskon gaver ki yiskon aleimu maskil. And there it meant to help God. Here it meant to actually put your faith in God. Hasken na imo. Connect yourself to God. Ushlam bahem tovo'atcha tova. And you come close to him. You connect to him. Then all the good stuff will come to you. Kachna mipiv Torah. Accept instruction from him. Vesim amarav bilvavecha. Take his words and put them to your heart. Im tashum ad shaday tibane. If you will return to God, you will be rebuilt. Now, of course, this could be referring to the Eov of our story, who's had his almost his entire life destroyed and and has to be rebuilt his life. Or again, as we've been postulating throughout, the story could be built based on this this comment and others. Tarchik avla mi ohalacha. Distance sin from your tent. And this is a trope which Eliphaz has mentioned earlier uh, back in his first manet. Veshit alafar batzer. Several ways to, to, to understand this. Sheet means to place. Place on the dirt. Batzer. So, Torsina, for instance, suggests batzer means gold here. Alright? Batzer could also mean your foundation. But whether it means put all of your gold on the, on the earth, meaning renounce your worldly goods, because that's not where the solution is. And therefore, uvitsur nechalim ofir, and put your gold that comes from Ophir. Ophir is a famous place where gold comes from, Malachim Aleph, um, and other places, um, and put it into the ravines and just disown it and leave it for everybody, give it to the poor, allow everybody to have it. Then the following will happen. Or perhaps it means Vishit alafar batzer, meaning put your foundation, your your strength, and the earth, which goes back to something that Eliphaz said at the beginning, is become more, shall we say, natural, naturalistic. Uh, it's almost a, uh, a Thoreau sort of image of connect more with the earth and renounce some of your uh, dependence on your worldly possessions, which is not foreign to the first approach, but a little bit different in the way the words read. If you do that, now, this is delightful because it can be read several ways and perhaps all are intended. One is, God will be your gold or God will be your 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 fortress, B'tzarecha. The other possibility is, Shaddai will be with your enemies, meaning Shaddai, which is a name for God which is used chiefly in Eov, occasionally in Yeshayahu, and famously in Breshit, and one reference in uh, in um, in Shmot and a couple times in Bilam's song in uh, Bilam's poetry in Bamidbar, and in a very famous occasion in Megillat Rut, but it's a prominent name that shows up in Eov, seems to be God as an attacker, like like Ibn Ezra says, Shoded Marchot Shamayim, the one who pillages. And so, so Hayash Shaddai B'Tzarecha, it says, if God will now be the one who goes after your enemies. V'chesef Toafotlach, and and silver will fly up. Does that mean that suddenly your fortunes will increase? Well, it seems to be a backwards message because the message till now had seemed to be one of renouncing worldly wealth. So whether it means that silver will now be something that flies up for you and is insignificant, or that uh, that nonetheless you'll have your fortune, but it will be something you don't put your focus on, something that you see is going up. Either way... Ki azal shadai titanag. Your pleasure will be with God. 
and you will cast your face towards God. Which, of course, Eov the whole time has been saying he's trying to do, but he wants God to meet him. Pray to him, and he will listen to you, once you've renounced and and put your faith towards him. You'll be able to fulfill your nidarim. And the notion is that, as we see, for instance, at the end of the first parak of... Um, of, of Yonah, when people are in trouble, they make nidarim, and you'll be able to fulfill your nidarim. You will, which then alludes to the fact that you will be get some, getting some of your fortune back. V'tigzar Omer v'yakom lach. Now, the famous midrash about this, that the tzaddik gozer v'kadosh baruch hu but the simple pshat is, you will make a, a commitment, and you'll be able to fulfill it. V'yadrachecha nagaor. And there will be light lighting your way, as opposed to the choshech that we had before that you don't even know is coming, and now you'll have light lighting your way. Ki vatomer geva. And now we go back to Eov's very first words, back in Parak Dalad, that Eov, you were somebody who gave support and succor to people who were suffering, which now is a very different Eov than the one that Eliphaz is describing in this Parak. But he says... The ones who have fallen, and you have told them to get up, and you will save the people with low-cast eyes, downcast eyes. You will be in a position to do that, which means you're going to be restored to your real fortune, which is someone who's a leader, who's a, who's a, a, a helper uh, of people who are downtrodden. The one, God will then save the one who wasn't cleansed, because you're going to bring them back. And they'll be saved with the purity, Borher being uh, purity of your hands, hands being tefillah. So in other words, Eo, for you to be restored to your position, you really have to take this Musar, renounce your worldly possessions, give up all of the ill-gotten gains, if that's indeed what the case is, and again, this is a description of Eov, which is very, very foreign, both to the the narrative at the beginning of the Sefer and Eov that we've met throughout the dialogues. We'll see how Eov responds to this in Parak Chav Gimel and Chavdal, the next two podcasts. Uh, in the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.